What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. It's another Pelicans game day as they'll take on Golden State Warriors for the second time in as many nights. Unfortunately for the Pelicans, they came up just short against the Golden State Warriors last night, 123 to 108. Um, not helping their playoff hopes here with seven games to go. Jim Mikenhofer joins me as my co-host as always. And joining me from the Bay Area is Anthony Slater, who covers the Warriors and the NBA for The Athletic. Anthony, I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm good. A little uh, baseball series. I've been enjoying these this year where, where you get the first game and then we could talk adjustments and stuff. It almost feels like a mini playoff series. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Before I get into my, my question, do you feel like this is something that will continue on even the next year? Do you feel like there's been enough uh, positive feedback that maybe for, for travel purposes that teams may try to knock out uh, a matchup with a team on the road twice in just one one trip? Yeah, I think we'll see some of it um, because, well, as you mentioned, travel purposes, I'm not sure how, you know, and we'll probably still have some COVID leftover, you know, uh, stuff. But also, you know, Steve Kerr's been asked this a few times, and he's mentioned uh, that from a business perspective, the NBA might try to turn from that because, for example, let's say Steph Curry turned an ankle last game. Suddenly, you, you know, you're a Pelicans fan. You wanted to see him. And if you just ha- have a two-game stretch where he's not playing, you might not see him. And apparently – Business-wise, they say it's better to spread out matchups uh, in the NBA. So I could see them turning away from it a bit more. But I, from just a viewership perspective, I actually do really like it. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about it from that side as far as fans who only can see these certain stars once or twice a year that, you know, that may hinder their matchup a little bit if they only come once. But uh, let's go to last night. And then before I get to gym, the, the start of the game, I think, really kind of set the tone. Uh, for Golden State, when you have two guys like Steph and Draymond who have been in these types of situations before, it just seemed like in that first quarter, they really set the tone and a young Pelicans team didn't really recover after that. Did you see it the same way there in that first 12 minutes? Yeah, for sure. Um, the Steph Curry and Draymond Green are a very weird combo to guard. Uh, they're unlike most star, uh, you know, ecosystems offensively, where you have Steph Curry, who's not really ball dominant, even though he's right now he's one and two in the NBA and scoring next to Bradley Beal. Uh, he does a lot of his work off ball, uh, and Draymond Green is a big man for the Warriors. Oftentimes he's playing small ball center yet. He's I think fourth in the NBA in assists. He's, he just assists hunts all game. And so you're told to sag off him, but he has all these pet moves like, okay, you're sagging off me. Steph Curry will run at me and he'll do a DHO, a dribble handoff, something like that. Or uh, they'll do a pin down in the corner or a relocation three. And if you haven't played them, Uh, that often and the Pelicans as you guys know are are loaded with young guys who have not played them at all this season and really don't have much experience playing against the Steph Curry Draymond Green I thought you saw a lot of that side stuff work where uh, you know Zion traps uh, Steph Curry coming off a high ball screen early in the game Steph passes it off that's what you're told to do right you get it out of the star's hand right when he passed it off they relax Steph runs to the corner Draymond hands it to him for a little DHO three and that just, I thought that just burned the Pelicans a lot early. And then once you get down, there's kind of some demoralization there. I mean, they had a few like comebacks where it felt like maybe they were gaining some traction, but uh, Draymond definitely had the killer instinct too. That's what I would say as well. I thought he was really good defensively. Anthony, um, I think a lot of people here, Pelicans fans, and maybe watch the Warriors every so often you see some of the scores we, we obviously don't have the experience that you do of getting to watch them every game um, we see you know some of the ups and downs that they've had lately for example that recent Dallas game where they were up or they were down a ton in the first half and lost by a lot can you put this in put into context the way they played last night compared to what they've done recently because it just seemed like if if 
you hadn't watched Golden State play lately and then you watch what they did last night, you would say, man, this is one of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, well, the Steph Curry you saw last night has mostly been the Steph Curry of, of the last you know sure. month and a half. I think in April he averaged 37 a game uh, and made 96 threes in a calendar month, with, with, which was 14 more than anyone else. So a lot of that stuff, if you're just focusing on Curry, that kind of is who he is. Um, sure. Draymond has had a very up and down season offensively, particularly as a scorer. Uh, they ha- it's a weird stat this year. Like when he scores only eight points or more, they have a really good record when he's below eight points. It's a much uh, worse record. Uh, and just some nights he comes out with a little bit more uh, attacking mentality. And he had a couple of those dribble handoffs early. Remember the dunk he had? He, that is not common. We have not seen much of that from Draymond Green this season. Um, so there's a little bit more juice there than, you know, like Juan Toscano Anderson hits a couple corner threes, kind of get himself going uh, on, on other nights. Sometimes that's a miss. And then where I would say was maybe the key stretch of the game uh, was early fourth quarter. They, you know, the Warriors, not surprisingly, really struggle when Steph Curry's off the floor. And he always he plays the whole first and third quarters, and then he sits that, that first, like, five or six minutes of uh, the uh, second and fourth quarters. And the Pelicans in the second quarter kind of – that's where they ha- had a little momentum climb back in it. Uh, I thought, you know, this could happen in the fourth quarter. They could make it a game before Curry comes back. And Andrew Wiggins scored the first 10 minutes – or scored the first 10 points of the fourth quarter. Um that to me was was where they kind of uh, you know held the fort, um, and, and and Wiggins, you know, another player who, you know, depends on what night you see him is depends on what you think about him. Um, but I thought last night he was maybe the 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 X factor, kind of the, the side key because I thought he defended Brandon Ingram well, and then he just had that ten point burst when they needed it most. So um, they're hit and miss. You know, it could come out tonight. Andrew Wiggins could be ice cold. Uh, Draymond could score one point and uh, Curry just won't go absolutely ballistic. And, and then suddenly the Pelicans have a lot of different advantages that you didn't necessarily see in the opener. Yeah, it's funny. We were talking before the game. I've been here a while. I remember um, for some reason, Andrew Wiggins has had a bunch of big games, some of his better games of his career against New Orleans and in the Smoothie King Center. So that part didn't surprise me for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because over the years, New Orleans hasn't had a, a matchup, hasn't had that like big defensive wing that can um, handle his athleticism. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. He was a, he was a huge factor. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, I, there were comments by Draymond Green that I think people probably took a little out of context where he talked about how he's not motivated to make the plan. Um, but I mean, obviously, again, as a person watching the Pelicans, when you watch the game last night, you say, man, this team looks extraordinarily motivated. Um, what, what are your thoughts about um, kind of the play-in format and just that element of, of what that's brought to Golden State? I mean, it, it seems like they're super driven, you know, regardless of, of what people might think. Well, personally, I like the format because I think it's just going to create a, a little four-day stretch of really high-level entertaining basketball. You know, we're going to get Steph against Luka Doncic or, or mm-hmm. Damian Lillard in a, in a one-game NCAA tournament-style setting. Um, and then whoever's in that 9-10, if the Pelicans jump up there over the Spurs, the Grizzlies, you know, I just think it'll be fun. And, and to be honest, uh, you know, it's just, it's for the 7 and 8 seed in each conference. When's the last time a 7 or 8 seed, you know, went off and, and won the title? To me, they're not, like, sacrificing – too much with it um as far as the the warriors motivation level it's there and and you know you mentioned draymond's uh comments being taken a little out of context i agree with you because i don't think he was saying like i i don't care i don't even want to be in the play-in game i think he was just saying like 
he just didn't want to come out and be like, this would be such a big moment for the franchise when he's like, sure. like I've been to five finals. I mean, like get, you know, somehow getting the seventh or eighth seed is not exactly, you know, what, what I'm here for at this point in his career, but they were, I don't want to say, last year. They basically took a vacation year. Uh, Steph Curry breaks his hand. Clay Thompson had missed the whole season because of an ACL. They had the worst record in the league, 15 and 50 ends up getting them. James Wiseman, which I do think will really help them long-term, but they don't, they're, they're number one, a proud franchise and two, one that views itself as one of those like perennial powerhouses, like in all of sports, really too. They want to become that brand. And those type of teams don't miss the playoffs two straight seasons in a league where 18 teams make the playoffs. Steph Curry in the middle of his prime does not want to miss the playoffs two straight seasons. So um, they want to re-enter the conversation. They want to not only get in the play-in, but their idea is win the play-in and then go face Utah or Phoenix in the first round and scare them. I'm not, I wouldn't pick them against either of those teams, but I know they believe if they get one of those first two, and they're sitting there one one in a series against Utah or Phoenix like you know we're gonna be watching game three pretty intently talking about uh uh-oh you know is this team worried about the you know Draymond Steph championship DNA type team so they just they want to be part of the conversation and and the only way to be a part of that conversation at this point is through the playing game so so they're motivated for it You, you actually perfectly set me up for the last question I had for you before I go back to Daniel and that was I mean what what matchups do you see as people have talked a lot about how, you know, do you really want to face Steph Curry in in a playoff series? And I think the answer across the board is no, but from the Warriors perspective, I mean, are there certain matchups that, that they could encounter in the playoffs that you think would be favorable to them or, or maybe, or not favorable to them based on the, what they have? Yeah. You know, if they somehow got uh, Denver, I think, because sadly Jamal Murray, you know, is out for the season with a knee injury and I know Denver stabilized some they've been playing better lately even without him but they you know the Warriors have beat the Nuggets twice this season um already and uh I but the reality is like they would probably have to be a six or five to get Denver so they're really only looking at two possible first round matchups and that's only if they get through the play-in and that would be who I mentioned Utah and Phoenix and I think they'd probably prefer Phoenix of those two um just because I mean, you Utah a couple times a season has just blitzed the Warriors. One time it was, uh, I think they hit something like you know, like 10 first quarter threes. I think they beat them by like 40 points. It's just, I don't know, it's just been an odd matchup for them. Um, you know, and and Phoenix, they have Chris Paul who who the has playoff history with the Warriors and it's not good playoff history. You know, he like he's he knows the Warriors in the playoffs as disappointment to him. And then yeah. beyond him, you have a bunch of guys who don't know the playoffs at all, right? Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. And and I think their belief is like I said, you go into Phoenix and you steal one of those first two, you're just gonna scare them. Um, and, and then it's like, okay, how does a young team respond? How does a team whose leader is used to being disappointed by the Warriors respond to that? Uh, and, and they kind of want their crack at them, even though I'm sure all of us would probably pick the Suns in that series. We'd be watching it like, you know, it, this is not impossible to think an upset could happen. It'll be interesting down the stretch, that's for sure. And when you look at uh, tonight's matchup for the Pelicans and the Warriors, I know that the Warriors basically just – really needed a split in, in this series just to, you know, solidify potentially uh, a tiebreaker or even just being ahead of the Pelicans down the stretch. But when it comes to battling proceeding, as you mentioned, they've jumped now to eight and battling Memphis there for seven, eight and nine, 10 matchup. Do you see the Warriors even rest, not resting guys, but do you see the limits maybe being minutes being limited tonight of Steph and Draymond just because they were able to get the first one or because of what they're chasing here in the playing situation, they're going to go full go tonight. 
I think they'll go pretty much full go. Now, Draymond did get, he seemed like he kind of banged his hip up uh, on a play. I'm curious to see when the injury report comes out. He's been questionable for a lot of different things. Wiggins was coming into the game yesterday, hobbled with a knee. I could see them playing it safe because, as you mentioned, they kind of did do their job, um, and they're not trying to fight off New Orleans as much anymore. So it's possible they rest a guy, but the guy would really have to be injured. They're not just going to preemptively rest anyone because, as you mentioned, they really are squarely looking at that that eight seed. And I know an eight seed doesn't matter as much as it, it used to, but it's still a lot better than than the nine because if you're in the seven eight side of the play-in, you have two games to win one. If you're in the nine ten side, you have to win the nine ten game. Then you have to go beat the loser of the seven eight. So it's very advantageous for them to stay ahead of Memphis, and that's very close. Memphis they got a break last night. The Memphis lost to to the Knicks, um, and they actually those two play on the last game of the regular season. So I think they're going to go after this win tonight. From a New Orleans perspective, I think San Antonio becomes the target. I know they have the Warriors two more times, and you need to try to win those games because you need to try to win every game. But San Antonio, I believe, is now only three ahead in the last column of the Pelicans. And also, I don't know if you guys have seen this first schedule the rest of the season, but it, it's a gaunt. Yeah, it's a gauntlet. I think they have another Utah game. They just lost to Utah. They're on a four-game losing streak, so they're not playing well. They end the season with two Suns games. I believe they still go on the road uh, to Brooklyn, to the Knicks. Those are two good teams right now. And uh, I think they have a home game against Milwaukee. So I think a lot of losses are on the table for the Spurs, but the only way, obviously, you guys know, the Pelicans have to win uh, to capitalize on that. Absolutely. So before I let you go, how can they, you know, get a victory tonight? What what did you see last night? Some good that you saw from the Pelicans that they can carry over and then what adjustments maybe they need to make tonight in order to secure a split with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just, uh, you know, is it night to night luck in the NBA? Like Lonzo Ball is not just going to miss as many shots, right? I mean, if he if he goes three of 18 again, it's going to they'll have a hard time winning. I assume, you know, if he hits a few more, I think Ingram probably needs to up the aggressiveness, you know, for him only getting 11 shot attempts. That's not enough. Um, I would expect a little bit more urgency from him. Um, Zion kind of just got to do what he's going to do. Um, you know, he had 32 last night and he's 20 years old and, and the Warriors are still coming out post game. Like, yeah, I thought we defended him well, you know, and that just tells you all you need to know about him. But, you know, Draymond is, is a good defensive matchup in the sense of like the Warriors feel comfortable letting him go one-on-one to me, the, um, I just watched Draymond's foul trouble. He had an early foul in the first quarter last night, and I was sitting there thinking, like, if he gets too quick here, like, that could change the game. So, Because he wants to play Zion physical, uh, and he tries the verticality stuff, but if Zion gets a couple different calls, that could really change the complexion of the game. Then flip side, they just got to guard the Steph action better. I thought Bledsoe uh, lost his focus a couple times on Steph, just kind of let him scatter away. You give him that, you know, split second where he's ahead of you. I mean, you, you guys saw how quick his release is. I mean, he just needs that little tight window and then, you know, he'll hit nine threes on you and that changes the game. So uh, maybe, maybe 36 minutes of watching Steph Curry being around Steph Curry, seeing the type of stuff he does. Maybe they go into tonight more alert of like, you know, his movement on the court. They defend him a bit better. They get a bit luckier. A couple guys miss some threes. Um, they could definitely, you know, come out and win the game. Good stuff here from Anthony Slater. You can follow him on Twitter at Anthony V Slater, who covers the Warriors in the NBA for the Athletic. He also did a wrap up with Will Guillory last night, who covers the Pelicans for the Athletic. So make sure you check out all his work, uh, including tonight's work from a recap of the Pelicans and the Warriors. Anthony, I really appreciate the insight. Good stuff, and we'll talk to you down the line. Yep. Thanks for having me. Good stuff there from Anthony Slater, who again covers the Warriors and the NBA for the Athletic. And Jim, here we go tonight. Another opportunity for the Pelicans to get a win against Golden State. I know being down four games to them with seven games to go, meaning it's going to be tough 
to catch Golden State, especially them now jumping to eighth. But I thought Anthony made a great point that now maybe the attention has to turn to the San Antonio Spurs. And I know coming last week, we thought it's going to be tough to, you know, catch up to them, especially losing the tiebreaker. But he mentioned they're on a four game losing streak. They have a tough schedule down the line. The key is starting tonight, the Pelicans have to take care of their own business and, and at least get the win tonight before moving on to a, a tough five game road trip. Sure. I mean, we all know that they're running out of time and that they can't continue to lose games and, still have us sitting here having the conversation of what they need to do to be able to make the play in round, because I mean, it's going to go evaporate pretty quickly if they don't start putting some wins together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's right. As far as the standings and the fact that, you know, maybe San Antonio is more realistic right now than golden state. It's funny because I think San Antonio and Memphis, even though the Grizzlies have one or one game ahead of the Spurs, it's almost exactly the same distance ahead of the Pelicans for both of those teams, because the Pelicans have the tiebreaker on the Grizzlies, but don't have it on the Spurs. So it's really exactly the same. It's basically both teams. One of those teams need to needs to lose four more games than the Pelicans do over the last part of the season, which definitely does not sound like a easy thing to happen considering the Pelicans only have seven games left and the Grizzlies and Spurs both have eight games left. But to Anthony's point too, um, the San Antonio schedule is much more difficult than Memphis's is. And probably I haven't examined the whole league, but I think it seems like San Antonio has one of the toughest, maybe the toughest remaining schedule in the whole NBA over these last um, dozen days of the season. So, I mean, that might be something that, that you can look at. Um, it, it's something to, to have on the table, but I think something that, again, we can't really fixate or focus on that much until, I think the Pelicans get a little closer. I mean, four losses is a bunch. If they can get it down to, if say the Pelicans win tonight and they win Friday against Philly and San Antonio loses a couple games between now and then, okay, now you're, you have a conversation because you're, you're only, you know, like two behind them. So, but I mean, tonight is again, such a crucial game for new Orleans. And I think one of the things I'm the most interested to watch setting aside the outcome of winning and losing is just, the way that they respond after it seemed like last night was kind of a lesson in, in basketball taught by a team that has been not, not the whole Warriors roster. They have a bunch of young guys and experienced guys, but I mean, Anthony mentioned Steph Curry and Draymond guys that have won three championships and they've been in every possible situation. I mean, they just seem like they responded so well to the, to the moment last night, right off the bat in the first few minutes of the game, it was like, okay, we're, we're, we're not only ready to play basketball, but we're ready to tear you guys apart. And so I want to see how the Pelicans bounce back after, you know, what I think could have, could be a discouraging um, outing that they had last night. They just need to be mentally tough and, and come back tonight and play a lot better. You can check out Jim Eikenhofer's Behind the Numbers uh, on pelicans.com and the mobile app. It's presented by Entergy. More good stuff from him regarding chasing Memphis, San Antonio, and Golden State also first quarter woes for New Orleans, or at least in, in the last couple of losses. But make sure you check out his work on Pelicans.com. Pelicans and Warriors tonight at 7 p.m. I'll have pregame for you at 6.30 on ESPN New Orleans. Local television is back tonight, and you can watch them with pregame coverage beginning at 6.30 as well. We're going to take a couple days break as far as the podcast is concerned. We'll be back on Friday as the Pelicans begin a five-game road trip. All five teams on that road trip are battling for whether it's seating or playing spots. So it's going to be a tough road trip for New Orleans coming down the stretch, and they need every win they can get starts tonight against Golden State. For Anthony Slater and Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CQ.